our first Christmas message and the first in our series. And our theme this year is going to be focused on gifts, okay, on gifts. Um, And we have some surprises for you um, with gifts in the coming days ahead. So you'd be very excited. Um, We're particularly going to focus on the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, Okay, Um, so we have to have three Sundays, okay, to get our series in. That's um, the simple, um, (laughs) yeah, why we start tonight. Uh, We want to think about the gifts that the wise men brought, the significance of those gifts to Jesus, and the significance of those gifts to us today. So the first gift we want to think about tonight is gold. You'll remember the um, Christmas carol, We Three Kings, that we sing. And in the verse, it says, Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. Oh, <laughs> very soon we will be back into that, into that um, season, won't we? And we nearly had a carol tonight, but we just put it on pause just for next week, I think. Um, but gold is the most important of all precious metals, isn't it? You know, generally, if you have a wedding ring, it's usually made of gold, and maybe not today, but traditionally, it's gold is a very precious metal. And the significance of the gift of gold was to signify recognizing Jesus as king. Not only king, but king of kings, lord of lords. I want you to watch this. Um, Some of you will recognize this. Have a look at this. You might recognise that. You might remember that scene. You might have watched it on your TV. Where was it from? Coronation of King Charles, yeah. Um, Simon wasn't on one of those fan, trumpet fanfarers. Um, maybe next time, if someone would get one. <laughs> um, maybe we'll have you on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Um, the trumpet fanfare has been used for years to mark a new king. It signals and announces the coming of a king. Okay, so the trumpet fanfare is a traditional sign that we were having a new king, a new king is coming. And as we look ahead to Christmas, if we, if we have that expectation in our hearts, next week, who's got an advent calendar? Have you got an advent calendar? Oh, look at you, come on, you need to go and buy your advent calendars, get lots of chocolate in you. And um, if you look ahead um, with expectation, we start our advent calendars on Friday. I think it's good for us to remember that our king, King Jesus, didn't come to to the sound of a trumpet fanfare. There were no trumpet fanfares. There wasn't much of a fanfare sounding the coming of King Jesus. There was no trumpets. There was no one shouting, God save the king, outside the stable. Um, The Bible tells us that it was simply a man called John who was like a voice in the desert saying, prepare the way. Of the Lord. So I want us to think about what kind of king should we prepare our hearts for during this Advent season? On the 23rd of April 2018, a new prince was born. Who was that prince? 
2018. <laughs> when, who was it born? Louis, Prince Louis was born. Yeah, Prince Louis was born. The third child of William and Kate, okay? He's the fifth in line to the throne behind um, his father and his siblings. He was born in St. Mary's private hospital. He was born in the Lindo Wing. And apparently, when you have a baby in the Lindo Wing, you get a celebratory high tea, champagne to celebrate the new arrival. Um, it has a gourmet a la carte menu, luxury toiletries, and personalised care. A team of 20 medical specialists are allocated to each patient on arrival. And this comes at a price of £7,500 a night. <laughs> I think I might have another baby. I suddenly feel broody. I go in and have. Um, but it's shocking. <laughs> what did Martin just say? Not from him. <laughs> Too much information, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, it is shocking. Um, but it's kind of what you'd expect from a royal arrival, okay? It's what you'd expect from a royal arrival. I wouldn't expect anything else, you know, from a royal arrival. Um, and it may seem like an early Christmas message tonight, but I want us to think back to that very first silent night when the king of the world was born, when the king came into the world. Along with every other aspect of Christmas, I know I've said this many times before, but we've turned the birth of Jesus into some kind of romantic children's story. You know, we look at the scenes of baby Jesus wrapped in a satin cloth in Mary and Joseph's um, arms, you know, smiling sweetly at his parents. Everyone has a halo. You know, even the donkeys and the cows in the Christmas cards have halos above their heads, you know. Um, and we sort of romanticise this whole picture of what the birth of Jesus was like. The real truth of the birth of Jesus was that we know it would have taken place in a cold, dark, damp place. It was just an undesirable, smelly place to be. I don't know if any of you ever went camping in Herm in the old days, um, you know, at the top of the top hill, the top site, um, and there was a dairy farm at the top. Do you remember that dairy farm? You had to walk past, and the smell that used to come out of that dairy farm was unbelievable. And I, that's what it would have been like, you know, the smell of cow poo um, and just steaming hot animals would have been unbelievable. And that was the scene. They weren't just sleeping there. This young girl was having a baby there. She was having her baby there. And any new parent would want the safest, cleanest environment for their child to be born in. I can remember, personally, 13 years ago today, Freya was born. And she was born, and uh, she had to have quite a long period in hospital, a few weeks, stayed in hospital in um, the special care unit up at the hospital. And it was so sterile and so clean. And the day we brought her home was when we were living in a whole derelict, <laughs> ruined farmhouse, okay? And um, it had mice, and it was, had no carpets on the floors. And I remember taking her from that clean place into this old farm. In fact, I'll tell you a little interesting fact. Our, our lounge at that time actually had a manger in it. <laughs> it had an uh, animal feeding trough in it because they used to keep cows in our lounge. Anyway, there you go. Um, but that, we brought our baby home into that place 
And it felt like so wrong to take her from this clean clinical place into this smelly, mouse-ridden place. Um, but at least it was a home. You know, it was a home. It was our home. But, you know, Jesus was born in an animal stable where animals were, cold, dark, damp, probably a bit more like a cave. And although it might seem completely horrific to us and it might seem like unimaginable to us, this is the setting and the symbol for the entire ministry of Jesus. For our King Jesus, for his time here on earth, from the cradle to the cross, this set the scene for how our King Jesus was going to serve us. The Bible sums it up like this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. What an amazing verse, 2 Corinthians 8 that is. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Jesus went from a heavenly throne to an earthly animal feeding trough. He went from being in the presence of angels to the presence of a bunch of farm animals. What a difference. What a change. God himself, who was larger than the entire universe, bigger than we can imagine, went to the size of a simple embryo. It's unimaginable. He who sustains and gives life to the whole world became dependent on a young girl to bring life to him and nourishment It's an amazing and incredible thought to think that God Almighty, King Jesus, became a helpless little baby, unable to do anything more. Our God, unable to do anything more than just lie there, wiggle, giggle and gurgle in that manger, needing to be fed, needing to be changed, just like any other baby. And some of us kind of maybe have a picture in our head that because he was God, because Jesus was God, he was kind of born and he he had it all together. You know, he kind of popped out the womb and he kind of said, hey, I'm creator of the earth, you know, I'm creator of the universe, I'm Jesus. I've got work to do, but that's not what happened. You know, we kind of forget the period between his birth and his ministry starting. We forget that he had to grow up. He had to be like any other ordinary child. He was a baby, a baby like no other, like any other He grew up, and in many ways, he was like any other child, but without sin. He was sinless. I love the thought to think of Jesus maybe playing in the streets with friends, you know, kicking a football round, doing those kind of things, you know, just being like a normal child as he grew up. He grew in physical strength. He grew in wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, it says, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Then we read that Mary and Joseph found him at the age of 12, and he was sitting in the temple, and he was speaking to the scribes, and he was being taught. He was learning. He was gaining wisdom. He was asking them questions. And then later in Luke 2, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So we can see that Jesus, in that period, he went through a learning process like anybody else. He grew up He learnt, he was taught, he was was willing to be taught. 
He, he grew up and he grew in wisdom. And being God, Jesus knew more than we would sometimes realize. And it's an interesting thought, I think, to consider that he left the glory of heaven, all the glory of heaven, and he took his first breath here on earth in that small, smelly cave, cold, on that cold night, with its rough straw against his face, the coarseness of the rags that he had been wrapped in. What a rude awakening from the glory of heaven to that cold manger. The royal arrival, the birth of, you know, Prince Louis. What a contrast. What a contrast to the birth of the king of kings. And yet, it could have been different God could have opened up the entire heavens. He could have done an angelic host, a fanfare like we've never seen before that everybody spoke about because this fanfare, this trumpet fair was so incredible. He could have been born in a palace. He could have had the greatest luxury and all of the grandeur. So why did God choose for Jesus, our king, our savior, to be born in this way? You know, Jesus always challenges our expectations and our cultural understanding. He always challenges. And he does exactly the same when we think about him as our king. You know, Jesus used his authority to teach others about the kingdom of God. Jesus used his power to heal the sick and give sight to the blind. Jesus used his position to be an example about how we should live our lives in response to God's love for each one of us. Jesus shows us, a king or any kind of leader, how we're truly meant to be, how we're truly meant to be, one who serves other people and uses their power to benefit others for the good of others. So God didn't get the birth of Jesus wrong. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't get it all wrong. He did it to show us how we often we get the identity of a true leader really wrong. He showed us what a true leader is and how it is to serve. And it's the same on the flip side of our stereotype sometimes of what a servant is. When we think about a servant, I'm sure if I say the word servant, immediately it conjures up an idea in our head of some kind of a Cinderella kind of character. You know, someone who is kind of being ordered around, who doesn't have much of a say, maybe who does all the little jobs behind the scenes and is having to do it, you know, not with much dignity or respect then don't really say too much, overlooked as a human being, duties are done quietly, they shrink into the background because they have no other choice. That's not the image of a servant at all in the image of Jesus. Jesus isn't a timid servant. He isn't a shrinking violet. He doesn't lack in personality. We know that from what we read in the Bible. Servanthood doesn't mean that we neglect who we are that we forget who we are or we hide behind the scenes all the time. It means what God has given us, we use it for the good of others. We use it to benefit others. Our life focus is outward rather than inward. Jesus serves by breaking boundaries. 
He breaks boundaries to be with those who are on the margins, to be with those on the outsides. He serves by teaching us what it means to be part of God's kingdom, what it means to truly be part of God's kingdom. Jesus might be many things, but he's certainly not meek and mild or timid or afraid. Nor does he simply follow the rules just to keep the peace. He chooses to be a servant. And he chooses that way of life to make a difference. To make a difference, to transform lives and to create a change. Our king is a servant king. Jesus doesn't conform to our expectations, he defies them. The Jesus I know is both a servant and king and a king and a servant. That's who Jesus came to be. And for him, those two identities go hand in hand. You don't separate one from the other. He's a leader who serves, and he's a servant who leads. That's who King Jesus is. And this week, I asked our seniors a question at Thursday Fellowship. The question I asked them was, actually, it was asked somewhere else in the week too, was, do you know what your name means? Do you know the meaning of your name? Okay. Does anyone know the meaning of their name? Yeah. Matt, what does yours mean? Gift of God. Gift of God. Tells Ellie that regularly. Um, <laughs> um, Lucy? Light. Fantastic. Anyone else know? Pam knows what hers is. Honey. <laughs> Pam's is honey. Yeah. Tim? Beloved of God. Fantastic. Anyone else know? Snub nose. <laughs> fantastic. Goddess of wine. Goddess of wine, Denny. That's fantastic. <laughs> anyone else got anyone that they know? Yeah. Defender of humankind. Defender of humankind. Fantastic. Look at that. Sitting next to the goddess of wine. <laughs> anyone else? Martin, what does your name mean? God of war from Mars. Yeah, one from Mars, I think that means. A Martian. A Martian. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? Godlike. Fantastic. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone? Ken? Handsome. Fantastic. Woo! Amazing. No others? Before we finish off? No? No one else? If you don't know, have a look up what your name means, okay? Because some of them were quite, we got quite hysterical on Thursday, looking at different people's names and what they mean. In Isaiah, there is a great description about King Jesus. There's a fantastic one. And it's a verse which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, actually, and one that we will be saying a lot over the Christmas period. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name... His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as we come into this Advent week, as period this week, I just wonder what you need from King Jesus this season. What are you in need of from our King this season, whose name is Wonder? Do you need more Wonder? You know, sometimes I think we go through life and we've lost the wonder of life. It all becomes a bit mundane, day after day, same old, same old, same old routine, 
Have we lost a bit of our joy and our wonder? You know, I don't know what springs to mind when you think of wonder. I think of like a child's face. I don't know if you do, but like the wonder of... Um, we went to see the lights yesterday, you know, and there's children everywhere, like the wonder, the wonder. Have we lost our wonder sometimes? Do we need a bit of wonder um, from King Jesus this season? Do we need Jesus as a counsellor? Do we have some decisions that we're, we're making? Do we need a bit of wisdom and direction this season? You know, as we come in, into the new year, are there things ahead where we're going to have to make some decisions? Do we need Jesus as a counsellor? Do we need Jesus? Do we need to know Jesus as our mighty God? Is there something where we feel completely overwhelmed and we just need to know, God, you're in control? You are in control. You're the king who's in control. Do we need to trust in our everlasting Father? Not to worry about the future, but to know whose hand our future is in. You know, so often we worry about the future. And you, we know, don't we, that the Bible tells us not to worry about the future. We have an everlasting Father. Do we need peace? You know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Do we have fear and worry and anxiety in our life at the moment? Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and the Bible tells us that he can fill our lives with the peace that passes all understanding. That's an amazing promise to us tonight. And as we remember that, first gift of gold tonight, that first gift of gold. Let's remember that the king of our hearts, the king of our lives, the king of the universe is a servant king. He's a servant king. Let's choose to follow that servant king that leads by example and chooses to live a life that makes a difference and transforms the lives around them and to start a change but let's also remember that that king, King Jesus, who is the king of kings, who is the Lord of lords, we have the privilege of calling father. We have the privilege of calling father. Just imagine that. You know, I was thinking of the, watching the coronation and King Charles. You know, none of us could go up to King Charles and just walk in the ceremony and give him a hug. He's only an earthly king. We have the privilege of calling King Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, our Father. We can approach him. It's an incredible thing. And I just want us to think in a moment, what do we need? What do we need to ask Jesus for as we go into this Christmas season? And we're going to pray, and we're going to do this tonight in a way. We have a lot of chocolate coins down the front here, um, and they're gold. <laughs> Not really, but they are as gold as we can get, give you. Um, they're gold chocolate coins. And tonight, what I'm going to ask us to do, in a moment we're going to pause and I'm going to pray. And in a moment I'm going to ask the prayer team. They're going to come and stand all along the front here. And what I'd really love each of us to do tonight is as we just think, think, what is it that I need from Jesus tonight? Think about his name. I'm going to go through the list again. What is it in his name do we need? And then I would like you to come forward. And the prayer team are going to just say one line of prayer, because otherwise we'll be here forever, um, all night. They're just going to say a line of prayer over you, and then they're going to replace 
give you a chocolate coin. So if you want to have a chocolate coin, you've got to come and get some prayer tonight, you see. Um, so if you come and, get, come and get a chocolate coin, and they're going to replace it. And you can take that gold away with you. Take that gold away with you, just knowing that Jesus is our king. He's King Jesus. He's in control. So if we can stand, and we're going to, um, I'm going to play a song um, as we respond. And it is the song. It's got the words in. Um, and then the band are going to come up and just carry on and lead us in worship after that. <laughs> 